Well, thanks for listening to another episode of the LCR Media Podcast, where we get to know the pros. I'm your host, LCR Naylor Taliaferro. And on today's episode, I wanted to play a snippet of Marvin Salcedo's workshop from the LCR Summit back in Atlanta a little over a month ago. He talked about team building and company culture, did a phenomenal job. Uh, and I just wanted to offer a little snippet of that so that you guys can get some value out of it, as well as if you wanted to get the full two to three hour presentations from all of the workshops at the LCR Summit, you can go check out the live video uh, replay. You can check out the video replays are now live is what I meant to say. You can check those out on uh, lcrsummit.com or you can click the link in the episode description and you can get access to all of the workshops. There was not only Marvin Salcedo, but there was John Pajak talking about uh, budgets, break evens and bottom lines, helping you know your numbers. Keith Kalfas was there doing marketing uh, workshop. <clears throat> Excuse me. You had Jonathan Batoshnik, the lawn care millionaire, with his opening keynote speech on Saturday morning, he started raw off right out the gate saying, I have a feeling you guys are compromising. And he just went deep on us uh, over an hour. He had handouts, everything. Uh, and of course, you know, the day one, we had everything about content creation for YouTube, podcasting, all that great stuff. So you can get full access to that at lcrsummit.com or click the link in the episode description. I hope you guys enjoy um, this preview slash snippet of Marvin's talk. Well, today I get the pleasure of talking to you all about company culture. And many, many, many years ago when I started my business, so I've been in business for crap, 20 years now. I didn't know what the crap I was doing. Got out there and I just kind of stumbled my way through it. And uh, I went to the school of hard knocks and just kind of figured out things as I went. And I didn't really have much success. And actually until I met Jonathan and I jumped into the Service Autopilot Academy, and I learned how to actually structure my business and put systems and processes together and be a legitimate company. Before then, I kind of just winged it and figured things out as I went, which is a lot of kind of how I do things in life anyway. I just kind of jump and then figure it out on the way down. But we'll get, we'll get a little bit into that later. But I want to talk to you about company culture. And by far, I would say company culture is probably one, one of the most overlooked things in business. So many times we get out there, and I know, especially with me, when I first started my business, I was like, you're going to do what I tell you to do, or you're going to get fired. I didn't care how you felt about it. I was like, just get the freaking work done, and or get out of the way. But the more I've gone through life, and the more I realize, you know what, we're working with actual humans here. And if you think about it, we spend approximately a third of our life with the people that we work with. And I don't know about you, but I want to enjoy the people that I'm around. When I don't enjoy something in life, I get rid of it. Or I move and I get out of that situation. To give you all a little bit of, a, of my backstory and kind of where I come from, um, I grew up poor. Didn't have anything. I, I come from a broken home. I lived with my dad. When I was uh, 17, I graduated from high school. I moved out of the house, uh, moved, actually moved to another state. I started my first business when I was 18, I believe. Stumbled my way into some mild success, if you can even call it that. Uh, my first year of business, I did $6,000 in business. 
I do more than that in a day now. My second year of business, I did 30 grand. I do more than that in a week now. Built that business up a little bit. I sold it off. I moved down to Texas. I was up in Tulsa, Oklahoma before. Been in Tyler, Texas, which is a little bitty town about 90 miles east of Dallas. Been there for the last uh, 20, 20 years now. Built the business up, ended up merging with another guy. We merged our companies together, and then we blew that business up really big, really fast. When we merged, I was doing about a million in sales a year. He was doing, I don't know, 250000 a year in sales. And then we went the following year, we did $2 million, then we did $3 million, And then we lost $1.2 million worth of work in a three-month period. And it was devastating. We had to uh, kind of restructure and refigure out life, refigure out our business. Um, I had to step back into the business, and I was no longer able to lead my own company. I had to step back into as the mechanic and make sure that the equipment was running day to day. I remember during this period of time, I went and I, I had breakfast with Jonathan one day down with him. And I told him, I said, man, I can't do this anymore. I don't know what to do. I own a job I hate. I'm depressed. I, I, I hate my life. Like life just sucks. You ever been there? That was 2016 for me. 2016 was the absolute worst year of my life. I hated my life. I had a multi-million dollar business and I was losing money. And it sucked. That time my wife and I had been married for 14 years. We both came from broken homes. And uh, when we got married, we told each other that divorce was never an option. Murder, maybe, but never divorce. And that year, we were talking about divorce. We had two kids and a third one on the way. I started that year out extremely depressed. I couldn't get out of I got out of bed and I went to work, but I was a walking zombie. I talked to my wife. I didn't talk to my kids. I was able to work through the depression when my wife and I were able to work on our marriage and we worked through our problems. But then that left my partnership. My partnership was failing. I remember approaching my business partner and at some point throughout the year and I told him, I said, man, we, we need to make some changes in this business. We've, we've got to do some stuff to, to save the business. I mean, we, crap, we just lost $1.2 million worth of work. I said, why don't we do this? We were both making a hundred grand a year. I said, let's take a $25,000 pay cut each. We'll take that $50,000 and we'll put it towards the debt. It'll help us to live to fight another day. Then we can grow the business and then reclaim our income at a future date. And I remember he looked at me and he told me, he said, no, I ain't doing it. So I said, okay, well, let's ride this bad boy all the way into the ground. And I knew when he told me that he wasn't willing to do that, that I had to get out as fast as I possibly could. And so I started looking for any and every option that I could. I was literally to the point that I was looking at help wanted ads and I was going to go take a job flipping burgers if I had to, to get away. I owned 70% of the company, but I don't know if y'all know math very well, but 70% of nothing is nothing. And yeah, I had to get out. So I remember I reapproached him the last day, August 2016. And I told him, I said, man, this, this ain't working for me anymore. I said, one of us has to go. Either you got to go or I got to go. I don't care who. I had actually already talked to my banker and I had secured a loan for $250,000. And I was going to write him a check right then and there for $250,000 to walk away. When I told him that one of us needs to leave, he looked at me. He's like, man, I'm so glad you said something. I've been thinking about this for a long time. He said, why don't we do this? He said, 
when we split split the some clients off, you take the ones that are left over from when we joined together, and we'll throw a few more in there to round off enough for one crew. You take enough equipment for one crew, he said, and you walk away. He said, I want the I want all the trucks, I want the employees, I want the name, I want the land, I want all the clients. And here was the kicker for me. He told me, he said, I'll even keep all the debt. I said, you know what? I said, I'll do that on one condition. I said, if the banker releases me from all liability and they let me walk away, I said, I'll walk away and I'll go start over. We went, we met with the banker and the banker agreed miraculously to let me walk away. That night, my wife went into labor with our third baby. She was in labor, and forgive me, I get emotional telling this story. She was in labor for 28 hours. We were going to have the baby at home. After 28 hours, the midwife, she, she told me, she said, I don't, I don't know what's wrong, but something's wrong. Everything appeared to be okay. Heartbeat was good. My wife was in back-to-back contractions, but she wouldn't dilate. And she said, when do you go to the emergency room? So at like 1 o'clock in the morning on September the 2nd, 2016, I loaded my wife up, and I made the 10-minute drive to the hospital in about four minutes. Rushed her in. We called ahead, and they were waiting on us. And uh, had her sign a bunch of paperwork, and within 20 minutes, about 20 minutes, they were cutting her open. 2 o'clock in the morning, September 2nd, my, my beautiful baby daughter was born. What I didn't know is my wife's uterus had split open and she was bleeding out internally. The doctor told me had I come in 20 minutes later, I would have lost them both. A couple of things saved her life. She wouldn't dilate because had she dilated, the baby would have shifted and she would have bled out instantly. And my daughter's arm fell out of the hole and plugged the hole. Everybody's fine now. Everybody's healthy. Everybody's safe. But that was a rough week for me. I, lost, I literally lost 20 pounds that week from all the stress. My wife went through four major surgeries that week. She almost died on the operating table a couple of times. They ended up giving her over seven liters of blood. And Thursday of that week, my uh, business partner texted me and he said, Hey, I've got some paperwork for you to sign when you get out. He had already started splitting the company behind my back. He had already went out and bought a bunch of equipment that I had never agreed to. and That's neither here nor there. When everybody got home, I went out and I met with him. I took the paperwork. I gave it to my attorney. We negotiated back and forth. And by uh, October 1st, 2016, I walked away and I started over. And I had nothing. I had nothing left. I had enough equipment for one crew. I had about $100,000 worth of uh, business that was my agreement that I walked away with. And I started over. And in the last seven years, I did exactly what that man back there told you to do today. I got out there and I hustled and I advertised and I pushed my business forward. I was intentional with what I did. I do some business coaching now and I tell the people that I coach all the time, I said, you need to show up and y'all need to write this down. This is, this is good. This is gold right here. Toro is proud to partner with the LCR Media Podcast. 
During Toro's preseason sale happening right now, you can save big on TurfMaster mowers. These mowers are durable, commercial grade, and ultra productive thanks to a wide 30-inch deck, large fuel tank, and the ability to disengage the blades without shutting down the engine. I know this firsthand as I use them in my business. You can check out my YouTube videos at Lawn Care Rookie to see the full reviews. You can get up to $250 off when you visit your local Toro dealer or click the link in the episode description. This offer ends February 29th. Show up to your business every day and do something on purpose with a purpose. If you do that, if you show up every single day and you do something on purpose with a purpose, you will grow your business. You may, it, may not, it may not be drastic every day, but you're going to move that needle a little bit every day. A little bit every day. And that's what I did. I was intentional with what I did. And in the last seven years, I've grown my business from nothing to over $5 million a year. We've been on the Inc. 5000 list, uh, 5,000 fastest growing privately held companies in America list for the past two years in a row. We're, we're moving and shaking. I'm on track to do $10 million in the next three to five years. And I'm shooting for $100 million within 10 years. And probably by far... One of the single most important things that has helped me in my business is my company culture. Because I have people see what we've done in our town because we blew up fast. I mean, we grew really fast. And I live in a small town. We have about 150,000 people in our town. I remember walking into Home Depot one day and a guy from down the aisle, I hear him look, he looks at me. He's like, dude, what the hell? I'm like, I'm looking around because I don't I don't know. He's talking to me. He's talking to somebody else. And he starts approaching me fast. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and I realized he, he had a smile on his face and he's like, he introduced himself. He's like, how in the world did you grow so fast? It's like, man, I just do what everybody else should be doing. I said, I'm advertising. I'm taking care of my people. I said, that's all I'm doing. I'm not doing anything magical. I don't have any pixie dust over here. I'm just doing what everybody should be doing. This is so important. This, this right here, having a great company culture can radically change your business because we have people trying to poach our employees daily and our employees tell them, no, thank you. I'm happy where I'm at. They've been offered more money, fewer hours, but we take care of our people. Look at these statistics here. These are reasons that people leave a job. Approximately 10% of people they leave to go do a different line of work. 18% go for benefits and pay. Uh, 30% are others, like they're moving, different hours. They went out on their own. 42% are left over. It means that we can control approximately 60% of the reasons why people leave. 42% of the people are going to leave if you have a bad company culture. You don't have a good culture in your company. If you ever if you ever start losing people fast or consistently, it's not because you're not paying them enough. It's typically there's there's something wrong in your business, in your culture. There's somebody that's toxic. There's a bad apple out there. We've seen it over and over and over in our business. I can feel it when I walk in. I can tell when people's attitudes start changing and shifting. That there's something wrong. There's something I need to start looking into. Matter of fact, this past year, we've gone through a massive change. People think that once you have, a, you know, I've heard people think that, oh, you got a great company culture, man. You've, you've got it made. Oh, it's work every day, all the time. 
we're constantly having to cultivate it. It's it's not one and done. You don't set it and forget it. You have to nurture it and take care of it. Really, really cool thing is that when you get a good company culture, your guys will fight to protect that culture. They don't want that toxicity in, in around them. And they will start to push those people out because they realize that it affects everything around them. So I'm going to get into some of the things of what having a great team, a unified team is going to do to help you in your business. Then we're going to talk a little bit about some nuts and bolts of what you can do. So having a shared vision and goal, the power of a unified team. One of the things it does is it, 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 a team with a common vision or I'm sorry, without a common vision is like a ship without a compass. You have to have a clear vision and a clear goal. You have to know where you're going. When you can have a, a clear, when you, when you write it down, the Bible says write the vision down and make it plain so that those who read it can run with it. You have to make it plain. You have to make it clear where you're going. The majority of my job now is vision casting. I don't make day-to-day decisions in my business I'm not the one out there hiring and firing. I'm not the one schmoozing clients. I'm the one who protects our culture. I'm the one who's casting the vision and telling the people where we're going. I'm the one who's leading the ship. I get to be the fun boss. I get to show up, give stuff away. I show up with donuts and breakfast burritos. We have fun. But also, I get to share the vision. And if you can keep people unified, you can keep them headed in the right direction and it's not one of those things that you just do once a year. Oh, yeah, we are big, you know, our Christmas dinner, we, you know, we share the vision where we're going. We talk about this stuff weekly, all the time. We're talking about where we're going and how we're going to get there, how we can change things, how we can adjust, how we can move. It's got to be a constant thing. You want to you want to foster that open communication so that your people feel the freedom to be able to come to you and tell you things. If you're that boss who's always bringing the hammer down and you're like, you know what? Just get out there and go work. I don't care what you have to say. Just go do what I say. They're not going to tell you when there's things going wrong in your company. But if you foster that open communication and you know what? When, when my people come to me, if they have a problem, if they have a situation, if they have anything going on, come on in. Come talk to me. I will make time for you. And you know what? I'm a busy man. I've got five different companies. I mean, I'm working with over 20 different uh, businesses, helping them grow their companies. I stay busy. But if one of my team members comes to me and they have an issue, I will make time. For them. And if they, if they know that they have that freedom to come into my life, that I will make time for them, then they, they, they have the freedom. They know that they have the, or they will want to bring those issues to light. They'll come to me and they'll say, hey, I've noticed this is going on over in this area. Just wanted to let you know. And then and then you can start heading those problems off before they become problems. When they're just little bitty issues, because you want to fix those before they grow. It's like when you get a splinter in your finger. If you don't take care of it, it's going to fester and it's going to get infected and it's going to grow. And that's, that ain't no fun. That's the same thing with issues in our business. You want to head them off be, before they become problems. So foster that open communication in your business. And like I said, you got to have unity. You have to, you have to, you know, a Bible says a quarter three strands. Am I saying that right? Yeah, a quarter three. That ain't right. I'm saying that backwards. Thank you. A quarter three strands is not easily broken. You know, you take a stick, it's it's pretty easy to snap, but you bind them together with others, and y'all can conquer anything. But when your team is together and you're unified, there, there ain't nothing 
nothing that will stand in your way. You know, I'm, I'm thoroughly convinced that that is one of the main reasons that I've been able to take over as much of the market share as I have in my, in my little bitty community is because I have the people that are behind me that are on my side. And I know that my people are on my side. I, I've been, a, I've, I've actually been gone since last, last Sunday. I've been out of town. You know how many phone calls and problems I've gotten while I've been gone? Not one in any of my companies because I have an amazing team on my side. Are we perfect? No. Do we have our issues? Absolutely. But I know they have my back. And I know that I've cast the vision enough that they think like I do. And they're going to make decisions the way that I would think. Matter of fact, I, I start fostering that that vision casting and, and start fostering that decision making from the beginning. I tell my crew, my field managers and mid, middle management, upper management, I give them dollar amounts that they can spend without ever coming to me. If you have an issue that you need to take care of a client with, if you're a field manager, you can spend up to, I think it's, we have a $100 limit. You can spend 100 bucks without ever notifying anybody in the company. You can go take care of that client for up to $100. Make a decision. Do what's best for the client. Get them taken care of. You can make a decision for that. The higher you go up in management, the more money you can spend without getting it approved. My middle managers or, or the department managers, they can spend about 500 bucks. You don't have to come to me. You don't have to get it approved. You can take care of any situation for 500 bucks. And my director, she can make any decision up to like five grand. Just make a decision and run with it. And, and they know that I'm going to back them up no matter what. Right or wrong decision, I'm going to stand behind them because I have their back. Because I've fostered that open communication and I fostered that community with them. I remember one time we had a client who he called up and he was verbally abusing the ladies in my office, my operations manager, uh, as soon as it started happening, he called me and he's like, what, what do we need to do about this? I said, you know what we need to do? I said, fire the guy right now. He walked over to the lady who was talking to him on the phone. He said, let me see the phone. He picked the guy up and he said, you are no longer a client with us. We don't need your money. Do not call here again and hung up. We were protecting that culture. We were protecting the ladies in our office, I don't care how much money that guy paid me. And he paid us a lot of money every year. I don't need his money that bad that he thinks he has the right to abuse my people. I don't need money that bad. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that as much as I did. Um, I, I was there, obviously, for the full presentation, and it was it was one of the top uh, that people remember. A lot of key takeaways there from his um, two hour plus workshop. So again, once again, 
just want to give you guys the value. Those of you that that couldn't go to the LCR Summit or you didn't know about it until it was too late or you're just now finding out about the LCR Summit and you want to get more info, like I said, go to the LCRsummit.com. There's also a preview for the next one coming up, but you can get full access, most importantly, to the, the replays, the video replays of all of the workshops from the LCR Summit. So you can get um, you know, as much value as you can out of that. Obviously, you know, there's 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 the networking and, and the whole um, being at a live event that if you know, you know, there's obviously that whole energy of being there, but at least the replays, you can get all of the, the information from the workshops and take your notes and hopefully, you know, take that into the 2024 season and grow your business to where, where you want it to be. So I hope you guys go check that out so you can uh, get some value, like I said, and, um, have a great start to your year. So as always, thank you to the Toro company for sponsoring the LCR media podcast. And until the next episode, this is the lawn care rookie signing off. This has been an LCR media and Mr. Producer production.